0: So I want to begin by putting the spotlight on the faithfulness of God. So my first point tonight is simply God is committed to each one of us. That God is steadfast and dedicated to each one of us. You know, the Lord tells his people that his very name is faithful and true. Revelation chapter 19 verse 11. Jesus says that his name is faithful and true that is his name beloved God has committed himself to be faithful to each one of us and there's no greater example there's no greater pledge of God's commitment than the cross we all know that the cross wasn't a cakewalk for Jesus it involved immense suffering immense pain immense trial but yet he stayed committed through it all. His commitment took him all the way to the cross and beyond. And beloved, on the cross, Jesus committed himself to each one of us. On the cross, Jesus committed himself to save you. Jesus committed himself to deliver you. Jesus committed himself to be faithful to you. Jesus committed himself to see you through whatever it is you're facing in life. Jesus committed himself to make a way for you when there is no way. Jesus committed himself to fight your battles. And Jesus committed himself to heal you. And there's no greater declaration of commitment than that, because it's by his stripes we are healed. That is commitment and its deepest depth. Now, I want to ask a question. You know, what is commitment? Well, if if you've heard me preach before, you know what I would probably do is give you Webster's different definition of commitment and work with that. Or I would give you the Hebrew and Greek definition of the word commitment. And we would work around that. But tonight I just want to look at the character of God and I want to draw the definition of commitment from the character of God. So if we'll go to slide two in the Bible, God says to his people, I am the Lord, your God. And that's the declaration of commitment. The Lord says, I am your Lord. I am your God. And what the Lord is saying is simply this. Everything I am, I am committed to be in your life. That's what he's saying. When he's saying, I am your Lord, I am your God. He's saying everything that I am, I am committing myself to be in your life. I am faithful. Therefore, I am committed to be faithful to you. I am good. Therefore, I am committed to be good to you. I am just, I am truth, therefore I am committed to be truthful with you, to walk with you in the agreement of truth and upon the grounds of truth. You know, when the Lord says, I am your God, he's simply saying that everything I am, I am committing to you. So the Lord is saying, I am your Lord, I am your God. And I want you to notice what God didn't say. Slide three, please. Notice what God didn't say. He didn't say, I am your Lord God when you behave right. I am the Lord God when you got it all together. I am the Lord your God when the way that you're acting pleases me. Beloved, we clearly see in the Bible that when God walked with his people, there were times he disciplined the children of Israel. There were times that he severely disciplined the children of Israel. But yet they were his people and he never left them. He never abandoned them. He never forsake them. He always held his commitment to be their Lord and their God. So do you know what this teaches me about commitment? Do you know what this teaches you about commitment? It teaches us God is committed to us when we are at our best. And God is committed to us when we are at our worst. Even when you're at your worst, the Lord is saying, I will never stop believing for your good. I will never stop hoping for your good and I will never stop working for your good. I am committed to you. That is what the Lord is saying. Now listen, I'm a father and as a father, I'm committed to my children. Listen, you are my son talking about my children. You are my son and you are my daughter when you are at your best and you are my son and you are my daughter when you are at my worst. When you are at your worst, listen, you are my son, even if you end up in prison, you're still my son and you're my daughter, even if you end up on the street on crack, you are my son, you are my daughter, I'm committed to you, even when the decisions that you are making in life are breaking my heart. You are my son, you are my daughter, and that will never change. And I will never stop believing for you. I will never stop hoping for you. I will never stop working for you good because I love you and I'm committed to you. That's the commitment I have in my heart for my children. And that's the commitment he has in his heart for his children. I am committed to you when you're at your best, but I'm also committed to you when you're at your worst. When you're at your very worst, I'll never stop hoping for your good. I'll never stop working for your good because you are my son. You are my daughter. I am your God. I am your father, and I am committed to you. You know, I've been studying the grace of God again, just something that I want to keep fresh in my heart, and there are just some new things I've learned about the grace of God. You know, I've been looking at this story of Jesus taking up the towel in the basin and washing the disciples' feet. And I discovered that this is the basin of grace. The the basin that Jesus used to wash the feet of the disciples, it is the basin of grace. He is bathing their feet. And I want to tell you something. Feet can represent a lot of things. How many of you know feet can represent the stinky things in our life? (laughs) Our feet can represent the ugly things in our life. I mean, corns and calluses and warts, (laughs) right? And that's the whole point. Jesus took the disciples. He took the the stinky things. He took the ugly things and he placed them in a basin of grace. And he just began to wash them with grace. And what makes this a basin of grace? Because none of his disciples deserved it. They didn't deserve it. Peter would curse him. Thomas would doubt him, Judas would betray him, and all the others would abandon him. None of them deserve such an expression of humility and kindness. And yet here's what I've learned. If we extend grace to people only when they deserve it, it's not grace. It's when we extend grace to people who don't deserve it. That's what makes grace, grace. It's when people's attitudes are worst that makes grace, grace. It's when people's actions are at their very worst that makes grace, grace. Does the Bible not say when we were enemies of God, he reconciled us by his son, Jesus Christ. That's grace. And it's because Jesus continually bathed their lives in grace that they were transformed. And here's something else I've learned from the basin of grace. Serving the undeserving is the secret to grace's transforming power. Serving the undeserving is the secret to grace's transforming power. And I guess my point is this. For the Christian, grace has to be the underlying strength of our life of commitment. Grace has to be the underlying source of our life of commitment. Now, let's just talk about what commitment means in our lives. I want to talk about three things that commitment means in our lives. Point number two, what commitment means in our lives is to value, to place precious value upon something, to see something as precious and valuable. You know, God is committed to each one of us because he sees each one of us as precious and valuable. I think about Jeremiah 31, three, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You know, beloved, I can talk about the importance of commitment. I can talk about the blessing of commitment, but we will never commit unless we see how valuable the things are we are committing to. And so I guess my question would be, do we really see the value in our marriage? Do we really see the precious value in our relationships with our children? Do we really see the precious value in our relationship with God? Do we really see how precious and valuable these things are? You know, recently God has asked me a question. And if we'll go to our next slide, the question that has been in my heart is simply this if you only had one month to live, what would suddenly change? If you found out you only had one month to live, what would suddenly change? What things are so important to you now that would suddenly become so unimportant? You know, what things are we giving our time and our strength to that would suddenly become so unimportant if we found out we only had one month to live? You know, I've been really thinking about that question and Here's the answer that I came up with. If I only had one month to live, the people I love would truly become the most important things in my life. If I found out I only had one month to live, my family would become the most important thing in the world to me. Suddenly the things that I'm living for, my dreams, my goals, my interests, they wouldn't be so important anymore. So many things that I'm spending so much of my time and energy on wouldn't be so important anymore. Nothing would be more important to me than spending time with the people I love and investing into my relationships with them. Nothing would be more important to me than investing into my relationship with my wife, investing into my relationship with my kids, investing into my relationships with my family. I can honestly say if I had only one month to live, nothing would be more important to me than pouring my life into the people that I love. Because that's what is valuable in my life. It's so tragically, so many people spend so much of their lives giving their time and strength to things that really don't matter. While the important things are being neglected. They're spending so much of their time and their strength on things that really don't matter and the valuable things in life are being neglected. You know, it's sad to say that one day they're going to wake up and they're going to realize, yeah, I accomplished this and I accomplished this, but I miss seeing my children grow up. Yeah, I accomplished this and I accomplished this, but I missed the opportunity to spend precious time to laugh and to play and to pour my life into my family. You know, yes, I accomplished this and I accomplished this, but I missed the opportunity to spend precious time with them that I will never get back. In my short lifetime, I've invested into the wrong things while neglecting the most precious things. Amen. Kind of quiet tonight. You know, if I only had one month to live, my relationship with God would certainly be the most important thing in my life. My relationship with the one who went to the cross so that I could spend all eternity with him in heaven would be the most important thing in my life. To be with my Lord and my Savior. I would live out that short month with my heart and hands lifted up, thanking him for forgiveness and for the eternal home I have with him in heaven. That's how I would spend that last month. And I would also spend that last month being in his house with his precious blood-bought people. Worshiping God together, hearing his word together, fellowshipping together, speaking of his goodness together, God and his precious blood-bought people would be the most important thing in my life if I had one month to live. (laughs) Loving God with all of my heart and being in church with his people, worshiping him together, loving him together, encouraging one another in the Lord that would be the most important thing in my life and I guess here's my point you commit to what you value you commit to what you see is precious and priceless do you see the precious value of your marriage? Do you see the precious value of your family? Do you see the precious value of your relationship with Christ? Do you see the precious value that is in the body of Christ? Commitment means to value. You know, I could talk about the, 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 the blessing of commitment and the importance of commitment. Commitment. But we need to understand, do we really see the things in our life, God-given things in our life that we should value above everything else? Amen. Point three, what commitment means in our lives, it means responsibility. What is commitment? Commitment is knowing what is truly valuable and taking ownership of our responsibilities. You know, the last time I was here, I talked about this in some measure that all of us have responsibilities we have to own. You know, whether we're husbands or wives, parents, employers, or employed, as men and women, we all have responsibilities we have to own. And when we take ownership of our responsibilities, there is a priceless reward. When we take ownership of our responsibilities, there's a priceless reward. You know, we see this going all the way back to the garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. So, this is the very first time the word command is used in the Bible. And so we have to ask a question. According to the Bible, what was God's very first commandment? Here was his very first commandment. Do you see this great big garden I have prepared for you? You are so free to partake of every tree That is in my garden. Beloved, that is freedom. Listen, there are over 7,500 different types of fruit trees in the earth today. And I believe with all my heart, at least one type of fruit tree had to be in that garden. So we are talking about a huge garden. So when the Lord said to Adam, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat from, I'm telling you, Adam must have stood there in amazement. His mouth gaping open, going, wow, this is really all mine? This is all mine. Every tree of the garden I'm free to partake from, this is all mine. Beloved, I'm telling you, that's freedom. He said, you are free to partake of every tree in the garden. But then capture what God does. It says, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Do you see what the Lord just did? He blessed Adam with freedom, and at the same time gave him responsibility. In other words, here's what the Lord is saying. He's saying, you are responsible for taking care of this garden. With this wonderful freedom comes responsibility. And here's the lesson that God is teaching us in the garden. Your life was created to be like a garden. You were created to bring forth abundant fruit. Abundant fruit in your relationship with God. Abundant fruit in your marriage. Abundant fruit in your relationships with your children. Abundant fruit in the works of your hands. And the secret to fruitfulness is seeing the value of what God has put in your hands. And then taking ownership of your responsibilities. Taking ownership of those things that I've given you to tend and keep. And when you take ownership of these things, I will reward these things with abundant fruit. Amen. Beloved, commitment... Brings with it great reward, and that's fruitfulness. Please hear this without commitment, nothing of depth is going to be produced. Without commitment, nothing of impact is going to be produced. Without commitment, nothing of value is going to be produced. Only commitment can make deep and meaningful impact in people's lives. Beloved, we're not going to produce anything of depth, anything a value apart from commitment Amen Which brings me to my last point point four What commitment means in our lives is grace You see we live in a fallen world that requires hard work don't we You know, I like to go back to the garden. Genesis chapter three is, and God said to Adam, because you have eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat, cursed is the ground for your sake, thorns and thistles that shall bring forth and the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground. (laughs) Do you know what the Lord just told Adam? Here's what he told Adam. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to work very hard. You know, before the fall, keeping the garden was easy. It was effortless and it was enjoyable. Easy, effortless, and enjoyable. But now that you live in a fallen world, it's going to take hard work. And can I just be honest with you? There will be many times keeping our God-given commitments is going to be hard work. Owning our responsibilities to God and our family is going to be hard work. It's not always about feelings. There will be times I have to persevere through my weariness. There will be times I will have to persevere through hurt and offense. There will be times I will have to persevere through my own desires just to walk away from it all and find something new. And if I'm gonna continue this road of commitment, it's gonna mean one word, and that's grace. Beloved, I've learned it's impossible To live a life of commitment in your own strength. It's impossible. To take hold of your God given responsibilities. And honor those responsibilities in your own strength. It takes grace and sometimes it takes incredible grace. Amen. Which leads to my last slide. All the grace we need. Is available to us. All the grace we need is available to us. You know, when you completely lean upon God. And you completely depend upon God. And you completely lean upon him. All the grace we need is available to us. You know, we have to remember we have such promises in his word like Romans eight eleven. It says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in us to help us find the strength to do what our own natural strength cannot do. What my own strength cannot do, he helps me to do. Where my own strength cannot stand, he helps me to stand. Where my own strength cannot walk, he helps me to walk. Because he lives in me and he lives in you amen so I want to answer one question briefly talking about this life of commitment you know seeing those things having eyes to see those things that God put in our life that are absolutely precious and valuable and taking responsibility for those things and, and, and staying entrenched in these things Commitment. And the question I want to ask is simply this. Do we do it perfectly every time? We don't. Can I tell you why I I feel like I have fallen in love with the Lord so much? You know, when I got saved, I fell in love with the Lord. But walking with God for 25 years I've really fallen in love with the Lord. And you want to know why I feel like I have really fallen in love with fallen in love with the Lord? Because my Christian walk has not been perfect. My Christian walk is full of failures. My Christian walk is full of mistakes. But he never left me. Not one time. I've been to places I should have never been. He never left me. I've done things I should have never done. He never left me. I said things I should have never said. And he never left me. And I really feel in my heart, I say this as humbly as I can, I really feel in my heart. That is the reason why I love him so much. He's never left me. You know, one morning not long ago, I was laying in my bed. It was in the morning, and I had just woken up. And when I woke up, I suddenly felt so overwhelmed by failure. just a sense of my own failings a sense of my own mistakes and I was just laying there crushed couldn't find the strength to get out of bed when suddenly the presence of the Lord filled that room and I heard God speak to my heart so plainly and he said Tim get up out of that bed yesterday's failures and mistakes cannot hold you back because you were raised with me When I was raised from the dead and nothing has the power to hold you in that bed. My grace is greater than your sin. My grace is greater than your failures. My grace is greater than your mistakes till my grace has covered it all. And when I was raised from the dead, nothing can hold you down because you were raised with me because my grace is greater. And I, wanna, I just want to, listen, I don't know what bed you're in tonight. I don't know if it's the bed of regret, the bed of failure, the, the bed of guilt. You, I just can't seem to overcome my own guilt. I can't seem to overcome my own shame. But I want to tell you something tonight. God's grace is greater. His grace is greater than your failures. His grace is greater than your sin. His grace is greater than your mistakes. His grace is greater. And I want to encourage somebody tonight. You know what? It's just time to get up. You've been lying in your bed of guilt too long. You've been lying in your bed of remorse too long. It's just time to get up because his grace is greater. And I just feel like tonight there are some people that the Lord just wants to invite. In fact, talking about an invitation, why don't you stand with me? Stand with me tonight. I just feel like in my heart, there's some people here tonight that would say, Pastor Tim, I have made some terrible mistakes. Terrible failure. But I feel like the Lord wants to encourage you tonight. You know what? My grace is greater than that. It's greater than your sin. It's greater than your failure. It's greater than your mistakes. And tonight, I want to renew my marriage vows with you. That's what God is saying. God is saying, listen, just bring me your mistakes. Bring me your failure. Bring me your sin. Just bring it to me. Because my grace is greater. And I want to cover it. If you need to repent, then repent. But just bring your failures. Bring your mistakes. And in turn, I want to renew my vows to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Walk with me again. Walk with me again. Love me with all your heart again. Surrender your life to me again. And just know, just know in your heart, walking with God, it's not about your strength. It's about my spirit living in you. My strength. My grace. So if that's you tonight. This is the invitation. God I I just come. I bring you all my failure. I bring you all my sin. I bring you all my mistakes. Oh God. Would you just cover me. With your grace. And God says I will. And I'm going to whisper into your heart. I'm going to renew my marriage vows. To you. That I am your God and I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Beloved, that's grace. Amen. You that come to the altar tonight, I don't know what your sin is, I don't know what your failure is, I don't know what those things are that, you know, keep us living in that present of guilt. Shame, remorse. But I knew I do know this: God's grace is greater, and He has not left you. And all it takes to just start walking with God again is a simple prayer of repentance. God, forgive me Forgive me. With a sincere heart, God, I, I, I asked you to forgive me and you will hear the Lord say now walk with me again let's walk together again let's love one another again let's fellowship one another again because I've never stopped loving you And I I just want you to know very simply God has never stopped loving you and he's just inviting you walk with me again with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength walk with me again. Amen.